Well, guys, to, uh, uh, to make it a little spiritual here, spiritually speaking, I think our church is in a season as well. And I believe that the season that our church finds ourselves in is a season of more. Stay with me now. It's not just a banner. It's not just a slogan. I believe that it is a prophetic declaration that we as a church are in an amazing season of more. More what, you may ask? More blessings from above. More souls being saved and lives being changed. More miracles. You know, just this week, just this week, some of you had a chance to pray for my mom. And and I believe that God absolutely did a miracle in my mom's life this week. On Wednesday, I was out at the school. We were doing some football coaching. And and, uh, my wife called me up and said, uh, hey, your mom called. She's having chest pains. And and I'm on my way to, to, to pick her up. And my mom's had a couple heart attacks. So obviously this is something that you take seriously. And, and if you're out there, you have chest pains, that's something you should take seriously too. In fact, let me go ahead and tell you what I told my mom. Before you call your son or your daughter, call 911. Seriously, we, we, you, you know, time is of the essence in those things. But my mom, she didn't want to bother people, but Chantel's on her way over there, Fabian. And I get on the phone with mom. I call mom and she's, she's pretty anxious. She's pretty nervous. And I said, mom, let's pray. And we prayed a little simple prayer, Lord, touch my mom, heal her, minister to her. And, and, uh, and then Chantel gets her and takes her to the ER. And about an hour or two later, she's sending pictures of, look like her and my mom were like out shopping. They were just out hanging out, okay? And, and I truly believe that God touched my mom. The doctor said, well, she didn't have a heart attack and everything looks good. And maybe it's something with her esophagus. You know, guys, it's always funny when doctors start making stuff up. Maybe it's something. No, I believe that maybe God showed up. Amen? But that's the kind of season that I believe that we're beginning to get into. And that's a good season. Amen? Now, here's the deal. I want to challenge you. Knowing that we're in a season of more blessings, more miracles, more things like that, begin to take steps of faith. What if I hadn't prayed for mom? What if I just sat there and talked to her a little bit, Ronnie? What if I hadn't maybe taken that step of faith? Guys, I want to challenge you. Let's start taking steps of faith and watch how God meets us there. But I believe that we're in a season of answered prayers. We're in a season of more love, more unity, more peace, more joy. More of God's will being done here on earth as it is in heaven. Can anybody relate to that? That's good stuff, huh? Do you receive that? Do you want to be a, church, uh, be a part of a church that is in a season like that? You should be. More is what God intends to do for us. But there are some things that he expects from us, such as holiness, such as more passion for the things of God, such as more fervor in prayer. All of these things are very important. But, but there's one very important area that... that All of us, including your pastor, sometimes struggles with. And that is the title of this sermon this morning. The willingness to change. The willingness to change. Do you realize that everything changes? If you need an illustration, just consider your hairline and your waistline. Everything changes. Can I get a witness? Okay? 
Can, can, how many of you guys have watched your hairline change, okay? Hunter, you're too young, but it's going to change, buddy, okay? It changes. And if your hairline hasn't changed, praise God, mine hasn't changed much, but my waistline, it's changed, okay? Heck, it changes from day to day. It changes from meal to meal. Can I get a witness, okay? If I go to Debbie's and eat Mexican, I better wear some stretchy britches, okay? I mean, look, if, if I go eat salad with Chantel, I don't need them. But if I go to Debbie's, if I go to Shady, I need some stretchy pants, okay? Man, my waistline changes meal to meal, okay? But things change, like everything changes or it ceases to be effective. But here's the crazy thing. The church is usually the last thing to want to change. Think about it. The church does things like it's done things for years and years and years. Do you know I've heard the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over and what? Expecting different results. So guys, we have to make sure that we have a willingness to change. A willingness to change. Consider this story that I found in a, in a book that I read. It's a John Maxwell book talking about the 21 irrefutable laws of, of leadership. And it tells the story of Henry Ford. How many have heard of Henry Ford? Henry Ford uh, uh, founded the Ford Motor Company. And, and, and here's what it says about Henry and his resistance to change. Nearly everyone's heard of Henry Ford, the revolutionary automobile industry innovator uh, and legend in American business. In 1903, he co-founded the Ford Motor Company with the belief that the future of the automobile lay in putting it within the reach of the average American worker. Henry Ford carried out that vision with the Model T. It changed the face of 20th century American life. By 1914, Ford was producing nearly 50% of all the automobiles in the United States. The Ford Motor Company looked like a huge success story. However, all of Ford's story is not about positive achievement. For one reason, he didn't embrace change. Henry Ford was so in love with his Model T that he never wanted to change it or improve it, nor did he want anyone else to fool with it. One day when a group of his designers surprised him by presenting him with the prototype of an improved model, how did Ford respond? He ripped the doors off the hinges and proceeded to destroy the car with his bare hands. For almost 20 years, the Ford Motor Company offered only one design, the Model T, which Henry Ford had personally developed. It wasn't until 1927 that he finally, grudgingly, agreed to offer a new car to the public. The company produced the Model A, but it was incredibly far behind its competitors in technical innovations. Despite its early head start and the incredible lead over its competitors, the Ford Motor Company's market share kept shrinking. By 1931, it was down to only 28%, a little more than half of what it had produced 17 years earlier. So what was the problem? Mr. Ford was not willing to change. He had resistance to change. Nobel Prize winning author John Steinbeck asserted, it is the nature of man as he grows older to protest against change, particularly change for the better. By its very nature, empowerment brings constant change because it encourages people to grow and innovate. Change is the price of progress. It's not always easy to live with. Most people don't like change. 
That's a fact. Yet one of the most important responsibilities of leaders is to continually improve their organizations. As a leader, we must train ourselves to embrace change, to desire it, to make a way for it. Effective leaders are not only willing to change, they become change agents. You know, I've heard it said that nobody likes change except maybe a baby with a dirty diaper. And even then, he or she will probably cry during the process. Every, nobody likes change, even your pastor. Now, some of you are going, wait a second, pastor, man, you and Miss Chantel, y'all want to change everything. It doesn't mean we like it, okay? We, we like knowing what to expect, but guys, if we're going to be effective as a church, if we're going to continue to grow as Christians, we need to learn to embrace change. And not be like that baby crying the whole time about it, okay? So today... Let's look in God's word and let's try to learn that there's a process to change. And let's be open to all the changes that God wants to do through us and for us. Let's look at God's word. Turn with me to Genesis chapter number 32. Genesis chapter number 32. This is a really cool story. How many wrestling fans we have in here? I wish Austin was here. But look, Austin's in kid's shirt, shooting his hand up. That's me, okay? How many wrestling fans we have in here? Well, we have a wrestling story in the Bible. Did you know there's a wrestling story in the Bible? Okay? There's a wrestling story in the Bible. Some, a wrestling story. There's a difference between wrestling and wrestling. Okay? We rednecks call it wrestling. Okay? We got a wrestling story. Genesis chapter number 32. Let's look at verses 22 through 32. It says this, this is the story of, um, of Jacob, and uh, he and his brother are about to meet again, and, and Jacob had deceived his brother. In fact, his name, Jacob, means deceiver, and, and he had kind of uh, swindled his brother, and, and, and he was really worried about what kind of reception he would get. And so verse 32, it, it talks about him spending some time trying to, trying to, trying to touch God. And verse 22 says, And he arose that night and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven sons, and crossed over the the ford of of Jabbok. He took them, sent them over the brook, and sent over what he had. Then Jacob was left alone, and a man, capital M, wrestled with him until the breaking of dawn. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip. And the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, Jacob said rather, I will not let you go unless you bless me. See guys, we need to have that kind of tenacity with the Lord. Lord, I'm not going to let you go unless you bless me. I'm not going to let you go unless you heal me. I'm not going to stop getting, no, I'm not going to stop uh, coming to you until I get my request. So the Lord said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked, saying, tell me your name, I pray. And he said, why is it that you ask about my name? And he blessed them there. Verse 30, so Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. Just as he crossed over Peniel, the sun rose up on him and he limped on his hip. Therefore, to this day, the children of Israel do not eat the muscle that shrank that is in the hip socket because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip in the muscle that shrank. This is a great story right here. Jacob wrestles with God. He wrestles for a blessing and he's forever 
changed. He's forever changed. One encounter with God can forever change you. One encounter with God can change everything about you. You see, Jacob never walked the same. Jared, you could tell that boy had been in something, okay? You ever can tell when your boy's been into something, okay? You can tell, you know? Did, 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 did you go play in the mud and they all got mud on them? No, no, not me, okay? You ever seen your, your kids get into stuff? Sister Lee, you remember your kids? They used to get into stuff and they say, no, I didn't get into stuff, okay? Well, Jacob couldn't resist because he had a limp, okay? By the way, I should limp on this foot because that's the one that's hurting. That, that, maybe, maybe that's why I have that hurt today, okay? But he naturally limped. He could never walk the same. He could never um, um, deny that he and God had had an encounter. And guys, we can learn something from this encounter. We can learn something about uh, understanding how God wants to change some things in our lives. You see, Jacob's life was a wreck. Can any of you relate? Jacob needed to realize that he couldn't fix it himself, but there was someone who could. And that, that someone was his opponent that night. And God touched him and changed him forever. And I believe that that is exactly what God wants to do in your life. It's what he wants to do in this church as he continues to send people during this season of more who need a touch from the Lord. Amen? Can we pray together that the Lord would help us to get to the place where we not only uh, accept change, but we embrace it? Because we realize that the change agent is not a pastor. The change agent is not a Sunday school superintendent. The change agent is God himself. And if God wants to make some changes, we know it's for our own good. Can we pray together? Lord, we love you and we praise you. Thank you, Lord God, for touching us today. Thank you for this amazing story, Lord, where you touched Jacob and he was never the same. I pray today, Lord God, that you would do some of the same things for us. Help us to realize that change is just a part of life, Lord, and we need to learn to embrace it. Have your way today, Lord. Do whatever you want to do in this church and in her people's lives. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody would say, amen. So guys, we need to learn to how does change happen? How does change happen? There's a process to change. You know, we as Pentecostal folks, we, we sometimes shortchange God and his process. Because we as Pentecostals, we believe in suddenly, okay? Acts chapter number two, and suddenly from heaven, okay? We love the suddenlies. And don't get me wrong, I like suddenlies too. Next Sunday, Brother Paul Bradford, there'll be a few suddenlies around here, okay? But God is also into process, okay? God is into process. God is into to getting us to be more like him. God is into your character development. How many have figured out that God is more interested in your character development than your comfort. I figured that one out, okay? Michael, just as soon as I start getting comfortable, God wants to start dealing with me, okay? Why? Because he's not satisfied with where I am. Here's the amazing thing about God. Whether you've never served him in your life, whether this is the first time you've ever heard a message preached, or you've been serving him for 50 years, God loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you that way. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? So today, let's look at how change 
happens, how change happens. Much of this sermon comes from God's word for you today. I always joke that if you want to know what your pastor is going to be preaching, get those little devotionals that we pass out, okay? Now, this is not this week's devotional. It's several months back, but it gives you great sermon starters. If this is good enough to preach, don't you think it's good enough to bless you in an early morning devotional? Guys, get those things. We offer them to you free. It's an investment that we make in you. So let's talk about how change happens. Number one, change happens through crisis. Change happens through crisis. If you're taking notes, write this down. Change happens through crisis. You see, God changed Jacob's name, which meant deceiver to Israel, which means prince of God. How can a man go from a deceiver to a prince? Only God. How can, Israel, how can Jacob go from a deceiver, somebody who couldn't be trusted? If he told you it was raining outside, you better go take a look. You ever met anybody like that? Okay, you met some people like that, huh? Heck, we've, we've voted for some people like that, okay? But, 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 but you ever met somebody you couldn't believe a word they said? Well, look, that's who Jacob was. But then he had his encounter with God, and he, God changed everything about him. God changed him from a deceiver to a prince, And he did it through a crisis. Realizing that Jacob had to go home and face the wrath of his brother Esau, who he mistreated, Jacob became desperate. That night in his tent, he wrestled with the angel of the Lord. And the change in his life didn't come quickly or easily, because we're told he wrestled until daybreak. But suddenly it dawned on Jacob that he was wrestling with God. It was a fight he couldn't win. Likewise, God will let you wrestle with an issue that you can't resolve to get your attention. He'll bring you to a place where you must concede, I can't handle this situation. It's too big for me. I need God. Any of you ever been there? Any of you ever been there in your family? Any of you ever been there in your marriage? Any of you ever been there in your walk with God? You get to a place and you're like, God, I've tried. God, I need your help. I've got good news for you. That's the best place you can find yourself. Amen? When life knocks you to your knees, Seth, it's the best place we can find ourselves. We need to get to the place, even in the midst of crises, where we realize that we need God. If that's where you are today, you're on the cusp of a breakthrough. If you're asking God to make you comfortable in the mess you're in, forget it. He's not going to do that. The Bible says, as an eagle stirs up its nest, so the Lord alone led him. A mother eagle will up in her nest and push her children off a cliff to teach them how to fly. Can you imagine how that baby bird must feel? Can you imagine what they're thinking? It's my mom doing this to me. God will do the same thing to you. To make you fly. God to do the same thing to you. To drive you closer to him. You see God uses crises. To bring us to a point of change. He allows a crisis in our lives. To get our attention. He knows we won't change. Until the fear of change. Is surpassed by the pain you're experiencing. The bottom line is. The Lord who is the spirit. Makes us more and more like him. As we are changed into his glorious image. It's true as individuals. It's true as a church. You know, guys, this church got to the point where you realize we must change or we must die. We must do something differently because what we've been doing is not any longer working. There are, there are many churches around our state that hadn't got to that point yet. They haven't got to the point where they're ready to embrace change. You walk in that church and they do church like they did 50 years ago. And guys, that will not reach people today. 
Now, guys, let me be clear. Here are some things that you, you never change. We don't change this message. The message does not change. We're not going to change this word. Why? Because it's sacred. Okay? But we better change the way we do things. We better change the way we do church. We better change the way we minister to people because our culture is changing. And the worst thing that we could say about a church is that church has become irrelevant. And there are irrelevant churches all around our country. Let that not ever be said about our church. Amen? Crisis brings us to a place of change. Number two, how does change happen? Change happens through commitment. Change happens through commitment. You see, when Jacob realized he was wrestling with the angel of the Lord, he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. See, that fella had made up his mind that I'm in a fight for my life. I want to be blessed. God, I want you to bless me. And that's what it takes, commitment. Jacob was committed and he was persistent. He stuck with it until he worked his way through it. He didn't like where he was any more than you or I might do. He was frustrated. It was getting him down, but he was totally committed to sticking with it until God turned things around for him. When God gets our attention through a crisis, he doesn't always solve it immediately. Sometimes he waits to see whether we really mean business. You know, we we serve a God who's never late, but how many have figured out he's seldom early? Okay, he's never late. He won't give up on you, but he's seldom early, okay? He wants to check our commitment level. You see, guys, he wants to see whether we really mean business. We're so conditioned to instant everything, instant food, instant internet, instant success, that when we don't get an immediate answer to our prayers or an instant turnaround, we say, forget it, God. The fact is, you didn't get into this mess overnight, and you won't get out of it overnight. Sometimes God has to remove our weaknesses layer by layer. Experts tell us it takes, listen to this, experts say it takes six weeks of doing the same thing every day before it becomes a habit. Think of that in terms of developing your habit of praying and reading your Bible each day or relearning to love your spouse. That's six weeks, 42 days, over a thousand hours And Satan will fight you every turn. So what should you do? Spend more time with God. The Bible says, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Guys, be committed. Be committed to your God. Be committed to your family. Be committed to your marriage. Be committed to the things that really matter. Because when, like Jacob, you say, God, I'm not letting you go till you bless me, just like he blessed that deceiver, he'll bless you and he'll bless me. He'll bless this church. We need to make up our mind that we're committed to be strong and healthy. We're committed no matter what it takes. We are committed to be strong and healthy again. This community needs this church strong and healthy again. We got to be committed to it. And that's how change happens. Number three. So change happens through crisis. Change happens through commitment. Change also happens through confession. Okay? When he identified himself as Jacob, which means deceiver. Remember, God asked him, who are you? He said, my name is Jacob. Jacob was acknowledging his flaws. This is an all-important part of God's process for changing us because we never change until we honestly face our faults. Until we say, God, 
I'm a mess. God, I can't do this myself. God, these are the areas that I'm weak. Until we get to that place, we're not ready to make a change. Until we honestly face our faults. We need to say, Lord, I have a problem. I'm in a mess and I admit I made it. Then God can go to work. Ever notice how easy it is to make excuses? We become experts at blaming others and saying things like, it's not my fault. It's the environment I was brought up in. It's my parents' fault. It's the situation at work. It's the environment I'm in. No, no, no. Stop making excuses. Realize that God wants to make changes in your life. Be honest with him. Say, God, I need you. I need you. Guys, it's so hard for us to admit personal faults and failings. It can be scary to ask for help. Why do we need to confess our faults to God? To let him know what's going on? No, he already knows all that. When we tell God we've sinned, it's no surprise to him. He knew it all along. We confess to him because he wants us to say, God, you're right. I have a problem. I've blown it. It is humbling to admit our mistakes. But once we do, God gives us access to his power to help change us for the better. And at that point, we start to become the person that God wants us to be. The truth is, and I said it before, God loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you that way. And we need to get to the point in the change process that we realize, God, I need you. God, I am open to whatever you want me to do. Change my character. Change the way I think. Change the way I act. And guys, that's applicable whether you've been in church for weeks or for years. Because guys, sadly, sometimes the longer we're in church, the the more resistant to change we become. The more we we confuse this message, which cannot change, with the methods of how we do things. You know what, guys? The only thing sacred is that book. The only thing sacred are the things of God. Not this building, not the way we do church, not the service order, not the song list. That's not sacred. It's the book that's sacred. It's the message that's sacred. And we need to be open to God. What do you want to change? God, what do you want to facilitate in my life? So change happens in several ways. It it happens through crisis. It happens through commitment. It happens through confession. And finally, it happens through cooperation. It happens through cooperation. You see, God started changing Jacob the moment he admitted that he needed help. And he began to cooperate with God's plan. Jacob named the place where he wrestled with the angel Peniel, meaning the face of God. Each of us must eventually come face to face with God. And when we do, he can change us. In essence, God told Jacob, now we can get down to business. We can cooperate. Trust me, I'll make the changes you want. I'll bless you. Notice God didn't say, try hard and and your willpower will make you perfect. Guys, look, our willpower, that won't change us. Fabian, if willpower could change you, you'd been changed a long time ago, huh? Man, you're a pretty disciplined guy, man. You, you work out regular. All that willpower, that was powerless to make the changes in your life that needed changing, right? We need to all realize that we need God. Amen? Oh, 
God knows that, that we're not disciplined enough to make all the changes that we need to make. Willpower alone doesn't bring lasting change in our lives. It just deals with the outward circumstances. Internal motivation brings about lasting change, and that's what God works on. He told Jacob, your name will no longer be Jacob but Israel. Jacob would never be the same. Once you have an encounter with the living God, he changes you. He changed Jacob from a cheater to a prince. God saw that potential in him. God saw that potential in Jacob when he didn't even see it in himself. You you know, guys, God sees you a lot differently than some of you see yourselves. Some of you see yourselves as a failure. Some of you see yourselves as somebody that God can't possibly use. Stop believing the enemy's lies. I pray that God would give each and every one of us a fresh revelation of how he sees us. Because you see, guys, God doesn't see us through the lens of our imperfections, through the lens of our failures, because that would be an ugly sight, wouldn't it? He sees us through the righteousness of his son, Jesus Christ. And Seth, he sees you as an amazing man of God. He sees you as a great husband. He sees you as a great father. He sees you as great potential to pour into the next generation. That's how he sees each and every one of us. It's time that we start to see ourselves like God sees ourselves. You know, guys, the enemy wants us to focus on your failures. And guys, if you start focusing on that, we got a bunch of them, don't we? But God wants you to focus on your potential, on who you can become if you'll let him make the changes that he wants to make. You see, Jacob would have died a deceiver had he not begun to see himself like God saw him. But God saw him as a prince. God changed his name and it changed everything about him. If God can do that in a guy like Jacob, he can do it in a guy like Fabian. He can do it in you, Casey. He can do it in you, Brother Bernie. He can do it in every one of us here. But we've got to see it. We've got to cooperate with God. God saw Jacob's potential. He looked beyond the tough exterior of a guy who portrayed himself as hardened and worldwide, uh, very wise in the world's eyes. God saw Jacob's weaknesses. He saw beneath the surface. That's not the real you, Jacob. You're actually a prince. You're Israel. And the same goes for all of us. Romans 8 says we are heirs and joint heirs with Christ that we may be glorified together. In the words of Paul, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. Basically, God finishes what he starts. God finished it in Jacob. He'll finish it in you if you will let him. It is time that we cooperate with the plan of God and don't don't fight him. You know, guys, there are times some of us, we fight the very plan of God. We're fighting God. Guys, take a note from Jacob. You can't win that fight. (laughs) Some of you are some tough guys. Rick, you haven't lost many fights in your life, but you can't win that fight. We can't beat God. He's tougher than we are. He's stronger than we are. But if we'll embrace what he's trying to do in our lives, it'll change everything. And finally, how does change happen? The Bible says the sun rose above Jacob as he passed Peniel and he was limping because of his hip. That's significant because the thigh muscle is one of the most powerful muscles in the human body. Okay? In order to get Jacob's attention, look at this. God touched him at a point of strength. 
Once we start thinking, this is what I'm really good at, this is where I'm really strong, God may have to touch you in that very area to get your attention. Jacob's limp served as a lifelong reminder that he was no longer to trust in his own power, but in the power of God. Guys, let's learn a lesson from Jacob's limp. Don't let, let's not get to the place where God got to give us our own limp. Let's realize that we've got to trust God. Jacob was no longer to live in his own strength, but in God's strength. And in so doing, he became a much stronger person. Think about it. Every time Jacob got in a mess, his first response was to turn tail and run. Every time Jacob got in a situation, he would deceive and he would run. Je- uh, look, he got good at running, okay? And God said, I'm going to touch you, boy, so you can't run no more. You got to face your own fears, And that's what God will do in our lives sometimes. Sometimes he'll touch us in an area and we're like, God, I don't know how I can make it. But God knows you can make it. Okay? And and, and doesn't that sound familiar? Every time Jacob got in a situation, his first response was to run. It sounds like a familiar pattern. Do you do that? So God finally said, I know how to take care of that. I'll put a limp in his walk. And for the rest of his life, Jacob would have to stand and face his problems head on. Not in his own strength, but in God's strength. So how about you and I? What's the one thing you'd most like to change about your life? Do you want God to help you? He will in his own way. He will use the process of crisis, commitment, confession, and cooperation. And when God does the changing, it'll be permanent. You won't have to worry about willpower and sticking with it because you'll be cooperating with God, relaxing and trusting in him alone. It's the process of change. It worked for Jacob. It's worked for many of you in here today. And he's still wanting it to work in some of your lives. But it's time for us to realize, God, I can't do this. God, I can't fix this myself. If I could figure all this out, you would have already figured it out. But God already has it figured out. Will you get to the place where Jacob did and said, God, I need you. God, I can't win this fight by myself. God, bless me. God, change me. Because when you get to that place, he will. As I close, part of God's amazing plan for you, your family, and our church involves us embracing the process of change that is all a part of God's master plan. At first, our natural response will be to resist it. But remember the story of Jacob and how fighting against God is a fool's errand. Trust him. Trust his ways. And the end result will be out of this.